What's up, podcast world? This life ain't for everybody. Thank you to all the listeners out there. The downloads have been amazing. Over a million downloads in 19 months of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Thank you all so much. It means a lot to us. It's because we have awesome guests like our guest today. One of the finest voices in music right now. And I would say, I don't know if there's a hotter rock band, country rock, funk, soul, southern rock. I don't know how you define Whiskey Myers. But Cody Cannon, my man, is back. Is there? Hello, Cody. How are you? All right, man. How you doing? Is there a way to define it? Can we put you in a box at all? Can we put the band in a box? I know I got a shirt just now. I, I, our good friend, Eddie, just sent me a shirt that says Whiskey Myers is a rock and roll band. Yeah, I hate that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't design that shirt. Uh, nah, man, I prefer just to be music. I don't like, I hate the whole definition of any kind of genre. I think that kind of defeats the whole purpose of art. I think that's just a marketing strategy when people start putting things in a box. It's just a way to make money. Are you uh, are you a cut cut? Do you consider yourself a country songwriter though? Like, there's a difference. Like, you written with Brent Cobb before. Brent Cobb's pretty traditional country, in my opinion, my style of country. But he's also written some rock and roll songs. Do you consider some of the stuff that you write though, Cody, some country lyrics? Yeah, I think the lyrics are real kind of country-based, but I don't think it comes from like a genre perspective to say that. I think it just comes out like that because of, uh, you know, just where I'm from and stuff, you know, just being, you know, shit, I'm from the backwoods. So you kind of can't help but sound like that. And uh, I think right like that, you know, it has that influence. (laughs) When I think about what you guys accomplish – music is a career music is how you make your living okay like you don't seek out radio stardom you don't seek out awards a musician goes into this business to make a living for the love of the art in my opinion if i'm wrong tell me this but you guys have had a a a a a, a career that is non-stop sellouts not a lot of traditional radio support. I really don't know how the charts in Texas treat Whiskey Myers music. You can educate us on this. But as far as a career goes, did you did you see it coming? And if the, the main question, Cody Can, is this. If you had to write a playbook on how to make a career in the music business, because every musician wants this. This is what they moved to Nashville for. This is why they go into Texas music. They want a career of sellouts, of of always being able to create revenue streams through audiences and merch lines and record sales and music. And it's hard to sell music these days. I get that. But could you write a playbook on how y'all did this, Cody? Yeah. I think for us, it was unique because we never like we never looked for any of the like stardom or, or all that. We were just playing music, you know, the only thing we wanted to do was always be independent, you know, and do it our own way. Um, and just literally do whatever we wanted. And that's kind of how we did it. Just, you know, staying on the grindstone and just playing shows for years and years. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess just hard work, but for us, we, we just wanted to do our thing, man. We, 
and it's unique that we've uh, been as fortunate as we have, you know, never being with a record label, never having any of that stuff, never having any uh, mainstream radio or, or even kind of seeking out those avenues. We just did it just for the love of music and because we didn't have the, any other options. <laughs> what 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 do you mean by that? What would you be doing right now? Let's just say that you were not blessed because you're blessed i mean you're blessed with talent songwriting ability you can sing like a freaking angel your band is awesome you're a great music music musician what would you be doing would you be farming would you be professional hunter what would you be doing i definitely wouldn't be farming man i suck at growing shit uh uh, i grow some food plots pretty good i don't know i'm awful in the garden though um I don't know. Yeah, it would be something in the outdoor industry. I think something along the lines of a fishing guide or, or, or doing some kind of hunting thing. You know, that was that was kind of how I was raised and always really my passion. That's probably thought. That's what I thought I you know would probably do when I grew up. I never really even thought about the music thing. So it'd be something in the outdoor industry. When you uh, when you think about the career that you have right now, is there anything that surprises you still? Do you ever do you ever get to a venue and you're like, are you kidding me? We sold this place out, or is it just become kind of second nature? I know you don't take it for granted. I know you're very appreciative. You you were born that way. You were raised that way of being appreciative of what you have. You're blessed. I know you're honored to be the front man of Whiskey Myers. But does anything surprise you? Like, holy shit, guys! Like, we do not ever play to a crowd that's not a sellout. Like this, this is an incredible feat to me because I watch independent musicians bounce around. And like, if you take a Texas musician, they might have great success within the boundaries of Texas. But when you get outside of Texas, maybe Oklahoma, they get a little bit, maybe South Kansas, they get a little bit, but y'all go up to Montana and California. And it's every single time I look at your guys's tour, it has a little red box with sold out across it. Does it blow your mind still? Or does any of it surprise you at all this late in the career? Yeah, it does. I think the grand scope of it is surprising and it goes goes back to that just being able to be that successful by literally doing it yourselves, you know. Um, that's surprising. Kind of when you're in the moment, I don't know if you ever get a too many, too much time to kind of smell the roses or whatever because you're so busy, you know. But uh I guess it's both. Sometimes you're just you're just playing shows and you're not even thinking about it. But when you get a moment to step back and put it in perspective, I think uh, you kind of get to reflect and be really appreciative on those things. Do you, as as the when you're in in front of that audience and you guys are doing like every song you guys sing is unbelievable. What? do you see out there? Like, what do you see in the audience? Is it a party? Are they mesmerized by what's going on? Because when I see you guys and listen to you, I get mesmerized by the professionalism and how tight the band is. But what do you see as the front man? Because you got to be entertaining, but you're also viewing and scoping out shit that's going on. What do you see up there as the front man? Man, I can't see shit. I got lights in my face. Nothing, huh? Two rows. Now, every once in a while, you can kind of, kind of catch a glimpse, and and we enjoy it when they're really energetic and and rocking and moving around and dancing and singing. Uh, that kind of that helps us do better. A lot of times, it kind of depends on the lighting position, though, if you can actually see anything at all. Uh, I like it. I make them turn the lights on out there every once in a while, so I can actually see 
you know, because sometimes you're up there and it's like, you don't know, you can see like the front two, two rows. So you don't know if there's 30 people there or, or 6,000. And then they turn the lights on. You're like, oh, shit, there's a bunch of people here. But you love your audience, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, so, we feed off that, too, man. That helps us when they're in it, man. And like really enjoying it and stuff. We do. We, we can do such a better job, you know, is. I have to ask you this question about one of your lyrics and I want to know who wrote this, this line in, in the, in the unbelievable, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. And I mean that Cody Cannon stone. There's a line in there that says, they say life is like a dagger backstage is full of parasites. Now, is this a cut on some of your audience members of your pre-marriage days of groupies? Is this mean the record label? Does this mean management? Does this mean all these people that have their hands that want to have their hands in the whiskey Myers pot of gold? What does that mean? Parasites backstage? My mind automatically goes to, oh, there's a bunch of groupies back there and Cody doesn't want anything to do with it. Neither does the rest of the band. But is that part of the rock and roll lifestyle? Or does it mean like, hey, we're independent. Y'all get your hands out of our pot we and like uh, there's all these people trying to pull you and and take your money in all these different directions who wrote that line and what does that line mean Uh, i wrote that that line in that song uh yeah that's funny that you said it because people say uh maybe maybe he's talking about girls or, or people not wanting to be around but it's funny how you actually hit on the like the industry side of it too because that is also you know, part of it. And nobody ever gets that part. You know what I mean? That it's actually about that too. It's kind of about everything, but it, it's not as heavy as it sounds, you know, it was kind of a lighthearted, really, you know, backstage being full of parasites. It's more of a shrug than being like angry about it or something like that. You know what I mean? But it does actually encompass a lot of things that people don't uh, really get. So it would be like everything kind of everybody, but uh, yeah, this, this kind of the business side of it is what I'm trying to get at. People never understood it that way, right? They always think it's about something else, but it also kind of entails that too. As, but as it's, you, it's kind of a shrug, you know, more it's not like anger or anything. It's just like backstage is full of parasites. Is it difficult for you at this point in your career? How old are you, Cody, if you don't mind me asking? You in your mid-30s? Yeah, yeah. I just turned uh, 36 like a month, month ago, a month or two ago in September. 36 years old does it do you enjoy the lead up to the show do you enjoy the bus do you enjoy vocal vocal uh warm-ups sound check do you enjoy meet and greet still do you is there any part because you're a down-home country boy that likes to be with his wife and his kids in a country home in texas and on your land and hunting and fishing and quiet serenity you know just real peacefulness but do you like that rowdiness of that little group huddle and the group prayer before you go on to stage are you a rock and roll guy to where at 80 years old we're going to look at you like mick jagger and keith richards and you're still going to be living this rock and roll lifestyle or do you not even care about the rock the lifestyle of a rock god or the rock lifestyle or anything like that uh, i don't care about that kind of stuff at all anymore i think my my pre-game ritual now is a lot different than it used to be i was hardcore into all the the rock and roll kind of stuff and now you know when you have a family you get older and you've been doing it for 15 or 16 years full time you know have have a kid and stuff like that you kind of got to slow down to maintain everything so now uh there's just it's a lot more chill and i don't i probably should warm up i don't warm up at all um 
so it's it's pretty mellow man i just kind of hang out before the show it's just kind of like going to work now so i don't really have a ritual or or anything like that um I'm not as hardcore as I used to be. A, a lot of us think we can. A lot of us think we can sing, Cody. I can blow a duck call and a goose call like there's no tomorrow. I'm not saying that I'm as good as the world champions in Stuttgart or the world goose calling championships in Easton. I've competed in all that. I know there's a lot of them better, but I can run a goose call. I know how to work my diaphragm. I know how to work my lungs, my air control, like bringing that air from down deep and singing, not puffing your cheeks and really getting into it, like. But then when I sing around people, they're like, you should probably never do that again because you suck really bad at it. <clears throat> when did you know? Are you trained classically? And I'm not kissing your ass. I, I think you're an amazing oh, yeah. talent. But <laughs> how did you know you could sing? Or were you guys just sitting around one day in a garage and they're like, you should be the singer. But did somebody tell you at a young age in church or something that you had some pipes? No, no, man. I just get up there and holler. I'm not a... a big singer or sing on my off time or anything like that. I think it came from the writing aspect of it. I enjoy that more than anything. Uh, I would call myself a songwriter more than a singer or a front man or anything like that. That was the thing that uh, truly I love about music um, is just, you know, crafting and writing, you know, the lyrics. So out, out of that, you know, if you're writing a song, you kind of got to sing it. So that's just kind of how that came about. And it ended up me just being kind of the front man or the singer or whatever. But no, nah, I didn't like grow up singing or anything like that. It, it purely just came out of a necessity for the writing. I saw Kid Rock live, Bobby Ritchie live. I'm sure that you've ran into Bobby Ritchie. Do you know Bobby? Who? Bobby Ritchie, Kid Rock. Do you know Kid Rock? No, no. We have a bunch of uh, friends in common, but I've never met, I've never met uh, Bob. I, I saw him live for my birthday a couple weeks ago. He was out West here and it's, he's trained himself. He's got, he's become a better vocalist over the years. He started out in the early nineties as this white rapper from Detroit. And then he's kind of, you know, he had that Sheryl Crow hit with picture. He had the Alabama song all summer long, but I really watched him on stage, Cody, that he's, he takes it serious about his vocals are you be trying to become better vocalists? Are you training or taking any kind of lessons at all? Or you just wing it for the rest of your career? Nah, man, I'm just, uh, I mean, I know nah, that you should probably definitely do that, but I'm just kind of, I'm just myself. Right. So the music I feel is very authentic. And, and so everything, I mean, you, you learn things over time about not how to trash your voice in. And yeah, of course you want to do a better job, but I, I wouldn't want to, change my voice in any way to make it more uh right i i kind of when i listen to records and stuff i i kind of like the things that are the imperfect things about it you know like i like i love mick jagger's voice you know and uh you know a lot of people would say he's not a great singer at all but the way he hits it and the way you know it sounds it's just so real and raw and uh i'm more into that kind of stuff you know like i enjoy people like neil young you know and Bob Dylan, Towns Van Zandt, like kind of that, you know, they're not like obviously like Adele or anything, but there's like a rawness to it. So I kind of keep it on that aspect of it. I dig things like that. Would you say the same thing about you come from a state where there's the king of country music comes from there, George, but then there's also this guy named Willie Nelson that has developed the biggest cult following and probably the history of music. 
Um, right. Is he? Does he fit in that box that you're putting Mick Jagger in? Because yeah. does he's got that yeah. a, a weird a weird it's but, that thing, right? Like if you never ever heard him, or and you were like this classical whatever voice instructor or whatever coach, and you'd be like, oh man, that's all messed up. But it's it's like imperfectly perfect. You know what I mean? And so yeah. um, I'm kind of drawn to things like that. Okay, you're drawn to the imperfectly perfect vocalist. <laughs> tell tell me how the man relates to that statement that you were on tour with this year. Jamie Johnson is one of my favorite vocalists of all time in all genres of music. I think he is an amazing talent when it comes to voice. He's also yeah. a perfectionist. I'm sure you saw this being on the road. This dude <clears throat> runs a tight ship as far as his band goes, in my opinion. He's a perfectionist. He's 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 almost like, I don't know if he's a musical genius, but the guy's pretty freaking sharp from what I know yeah. of Jamie. How do you yeah, describe Jamie Johnson? Is he, does he, is he an amazing talent? Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing talent. I wouldn't say uh, imperfect in any way. I mean, his voice is, is about as good as they ever made one. How was it being on tour with him and Wally and the guys? Was it? It was. It seems to me like that has to be some just a blast, huh? Yeah, they're our homeboys, man. We uh, we love everybody in that crew. We've always really gotten along with them. Always really gotten along with Jamie. Known him for a long time, uh, so we thoroughly enjoyed being on the road with those guys. Were uh, were the crowds like just? mystified of you you don't open a lot of shows you guys are a headliner um but was that a co-headliner show or how was that how was that slotted oh i don't know man that's a business term i don't i don't know we just go play i don't know i i mean no it's a that's a jamie johnson tour man we're just happy to be there did you get to go out on stage and sing with jamie yeah we did it uh we did it several times when he does that whole big, uh, he sings a bunch of like gospel songs and these things, the Hank song, you know, kind of all together. We, we did that with him. Uh, so it was great. We just got to, we, we, get up, we get up there and do our thing, man. We don't care if it's three o'clock uh, in the afternoon or three o'clock in the morning. We're getting older. So we prefer it earlier now. <laughs> so before we get off of the subject of Jamie, where does he fit? Do you have a Mount Rushmore? of country artists do you or do you listen to music as a whole is mick jagger in the same group as jamie just be you know because you just love music do you is it impossible for cody cannon to have a whiskey myers i mean to have a mount rushmore of of artists i, I went over this with justin moore the other day on his podcast him and jr they asked me who's your mount rushmore of country music do you have one um yeah yeah, I think that would be. I mean, it, you. I would say it would just. It would be Merle Haggard. Uh, for me, Hank Jr. Uh, Waylon, and then probably Willie. Like I know that sounds cliche, but to, to be them four, but that would probably be. Was there four people on Mount Rushmore? Yeah, four. I think it's four. Yeah, it would probably be those four. Um, but there's so many great people. It's hard, and I'm sure I'm leaving people out. But Jamie would, was on mine. Be, I think it's uh, it's undisputed. Merle Haggard at the top. I mean, anybody who doesn't who argues that is just crazy, you know. And then uh, Bo Cephas was like the first like like musical. I guess love. I guess you call it, like you just love albums and stuff when you're a little kid. Like it was like Hank Hank Junior for me. That was like the first thing I was drawn to, you know. 
So hey, it would probably be that four. Everybody you named was on there. Um, Jamie was on mine. I don't. I just think that Lonesome Songs the best album of all time. I always tell everybody like, I don't think you could make a better album. I'm not saying there's not there just as good, but the yeah, Lonesome Song to album. me. But we but Justin and Jr. had Hank Williams Jr. Bo Cephas as the cloud above Mount Rushmore. But they said he's above anybody that you could put on a Mount Rushmore. That he's the he's the all time greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, that 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 yeah, I could see that. But then that's kind of cheating, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's about Mount Rushmore. Um, hey, a really cool like one. This is kind of funny, but my favorite country record, I think. Is, and I don't even know the name of it, but, and it's a little bit obscure, but it's uh, like, I just think it's a brilliant record is uh, Keith Gaddis. And I think it's called, I'm on, my phone, I'm on my phone. I think the record's called Big City Blues, but I know that song's on it. But uh, man, just like a songwriting and stuff, that record is amazing. That's, that is an amazing, amazing record. And it's not a like a huge record or anything like that, but that that's like way up there. If any of your listeners want to go see, hear an amazing front to back country record, did he write El Cerrito Place with Charlie Robinson? Yeah, he wrote El Cerrito Place. So so that song's on that record too, I believe. Okay, so it's but called that, it's called Big City Blues from two thousand five, and um, El Cerrito Place is one of the cuts off of it with Big City Blues. Yeah. Okay, I'm downloading yeah, it right now. I'm, I'm getting it right now so I can, can listen to it. you tell me a couple of songs off of it? Like, just ramble off a couple of names. Big so City Blues, Reconsider, El Cerrito Place. Yeah, same, yeah, that's the record. Same to me, Wish I Had You, Down Again, Don't Lie, The Bottom, California, Hard On Me, and Somebody Told Me. Yeah, that's like, man, you're going to be blown away when you hear that record. I'm downloading it right now. I'm going to listen to it on my drive tomorrow. Okay. Um, right, just from the songwriting perspective of it, and just about it being just a great record. I, that's a... Man, if anybody wants a new uh, record to listen to, that's that's a great one that not a lot of people know about. I'm so glad you turned me on to it because I love the Robinson brothers, Bruce and Charlie. Um, yeah. I love Jack Ingram. I just had Jack Ingram on this show. He's a big fan of you guys. I asked him straight up about Whiskey yeah. Myers. Everybody in Texas is a fan of you guys. But um, there was there's something about the way that Charlie Robinson wrote songs. Like I, I don't I, his songs just got to me, man, because he wrote about shit that meant a lot to me, like rodeo and college baseball and beer drinking and outdoors. And but yeah, that that El Cerrito song. I think didn't Chesney do that? Yeah, uh, man, and the thing that's funny about that that Gaddis record is like every song on there was like cut by somebody else. Like that's how great the the record is. Wow. But uh, Charlie was Charlie's great. Was you Charlie Robson? He can't. Um, he I heard he can never sing again. Yeah, I don't know the details, but that that's what I heard. So I don't I don't I don't really know. But yeah, he was amazing. We got to uh, play some. Uh, some of our early shows opening up for them. It was pretty cool. We played this place in Lubbock. We were just starting out, man. We were young. We were like 20 or 21, you know, just kids being on the road. And we got to open for Charlie and we went to Lubbock and we were playing this place. It was like a wild West or one of those kind of chain venues. And it had two levels. And, uh, and like ever Charlie's tall and like everybody in his band at that time is like it was as tall as him. So they're all like freaking really tall, long haired dudes. And uh, some like I don't know if it was like a frat kid or whatever was throwing ice. 
at the stage and the guitar player kept pointing at him and telling him to stop. And I think, I don't know if Charlie said something like stop throwing ice or something like that. And uh, they were in the middle of the song and he did it again and, and they never broke beat or anything. And the guitar player laid down his guitar, ran up the stage and fucking cold cocked this kid, <laughs> a kid, he was a man. And then just, come back down, like laid him out, come back down and picked up his guitar and started playing. And uh, Charlie was like, I told y'all stuff though. Nice. And they never missed a beat. And, uh, that was, that was pretty cool to see, you know, starting out on the road. Wow. I never forget that. I, I think that's freaking awesome. I've seen some artists. Like I remember, uh, Adam, the lead singer of the Counting Crows, he saw a fight break out in, 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 in like the front row of one of his shows in, in Nevada. And like he literally just said, if you guys don't stop, I'm coming down there. And like he was literally ready to Axel Rose it and just like jump on top of these guys. But I think it's I have you ever experienced that to where I, I understand that concerts are rowdy, but let's talk about etiquette for a second. Are you a fan of etiquette, like bowling etiquette? Like when you step up, you look to your right, you you acknowledge somebody and you let them go first if you're in the lane, right? There's golfing etiquette. There's etiquette in everything that we do, eating supper, whatever it is. I'm a big fan of music. If I go to a theater style show, I expect it to be a theater style show and not a festival style show. But then there's always these people in there that want to make it about them and they want to have conversations. When I paid good hard earned money to watch Cody Cannon sing, sing the songs that I want whiskey Myers to sing for me, but they're ruining it for me. What, what is your outlook on concert etiquette? Um, I know you have no control over this, but that guy throwing yeah. ice is so disrespectful, but he could have been throwing it at yeah. somebody else in the audience and, and picking them, picking at them. Like, I wish people had better concert etiquette, Cody can. I just really, truly wish they did. Yeah. There's a lot of dumbasses out there. The world's <laughs> full of dumbass. It's like uh, I was at, I was at this casino show at the big theater and there's this couple I'm watching a country musician, songwriting, storytelling, all the shit. And I literally had to lean up and go, hey, y'all, there's a casino 100 feet from us. Go out there and play craps and talk all you want. Yeah. I'm trying to watch. This is I, I, I've waited months to watch this man sing on stage right now. I just wish people understood that it's not about them at a concert. It's yeah. not about. And I get like a festival, you get a little bit rowdy. You got beer in you. It's a yeah. little bit different. People are going to be doing their thing. Right. But a theater style show, I, I'm there to watch the music and the band. And I don't know. I don't want to get on a soapbox about it. But that's one of the things that that I've become really bougie about. Cody, do they use that word in Texas? They use that out here now. Bougie. Like you think like I, I become I become really critical to where like I don't want to go to a concert and have a chance of it being ruined, you know, of 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 acting like that, of people acting out of out of the sorts with me. I don't I don't like that. I think it's disrespectful to the the audience, to the band, to the man, all of that. I just don't get into it. Yeah, it just depends on the show, really. You know, sometimes it's good for everybody to be rowdy. But when you get like the the kind of solo acoustic stuff and it's in that kind of sit down setting, then it's definitely better to be quiet and stuff like that. You know, it really yeah. depends on the show. Do you uh, do you run with Jinx at all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Are you proud of him for what he's doing in his career? Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Uh, we got nothing but love for them. He's killing it right now too. We were supposed to do a uh, a run out in California uh, together at the first of this year, but uh, we're gonna move it around a little bit, I think. But uh, yeah, we love that guy. 
Good. I hope I, I hope that it's pushed back a little bit to where it's after duck season and I can see it if it's going to be out west here. What What is it about another Texas musician right now, Co Wetzel? Do you know him at all? And how is he yeah. getting his notoriety? What does he have that people are jiving on? I'm not saying that I don't know. I'm asking your opinion. Is he a good songwriter? Is he a good front? What does he got that people – because it seems to me like he's kind of developing that Whiskey Myers, Cody Jinx, Texas cult following or just a national following really. Yeah. Yeah. He's just cut from the same cloth. Just a good old boy. Just been out there touring and earning it, man. And sometimes when you get out on that road, you know, you kind of catch lightning in a bottle and, and, and you're fortunate enough to, you know, have your songs connect with people. I don't think anybody really knows how you make a song connect. You know what I mean? Or why, why one song does or not the other, or maybe one artist, artist catches or not the other. It's just something kind of intangible that, you know, that when it happens, it happens and, and uh, everybody loves it. So you got to take advantage of it, you know, and kind of be fortunate. But he's been out there, you know, grinding like us and everybody else. So it's good to see people like that have success. It's always good to see, your, you know, your peers and stuff have success. That's what you root for. It's not like some, sometimes people think it's like a like a football game or something, you know. They're like, oh, I like I like your band, but I don't like this band that played before you or something like that. And that's like the exact opposite of the sports world, you know, and music, you, you, you're rooting for everybody, you know? So it's, it, it's just different, you know? So you hope everybody can do, you know, do their best job. You want everybody, you know, and love to, to get as big as they can. So you just root for everybody. You're always happy when people, you know, make it. Do you have desire? Okay. Let's take Morgan, for example. I don't know if you've met Morgan. I know that Brett, I know that Cobb, a mutual friend of you and I has written with Morgan Wallen. Don't know what your history is with the man, but it seems to me like ever since the debacle deal happened and the management and the, 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 the streaming services and everything happened, he's come back strong. 29,000 tickets and, and, and two hours or something, or 90 minutes, I think, or something. Do you have desire to sell out stadiums like George Strait and Eric Church did in Atlanta last week or like Stapleton's doing? Do you have a desire to get a house full of 40,000 people someday like Garth does consistently? Or do you want the five, eight, ten thousand room, you know, head rooms? What is Cody Cannon's like goals? Do you have any goals as far as audience size goes? Um, no, it's just the only thing about that is what do you have to do to get there? to sell 80,000 tickets or whatever at a place. And, you know, I would be kind of doing the mainstream thing and signing the record deals and stuff like that. That's not something I'm interested at all doing at this point in my life, you know? So if we can get there our way, then hell yeah, the more the merrier. But uh, I'm, I'm not kind of changing the formula. We're not, we're not, we, we never chased after any fame or su success. We just wanted to do it. Just, we wanted to play music, you know, and we wanted to, to, to do it our way. And, and we did that, man, just by beating the pavement and uh, going around. So, yeah, the more the merrier, you know, but it just depends on what it takes to get there. I'm not interested in being on TV and walking down red carpets and doing all that stuff and, you know, singing stupid songs and, and stuff like that. I'm not going to do anything like that. But uh, if I, we can get there our way, then, yeah, that would be amazing. A couple minutes ago, you talked about the connection that an audience or a fan or somebody, how does that connection happen? Like, 
Is there a song or any part of your playlist, Cody Cannon, that you look forward to more than the other parts of your set? Do you know that when they hear that opening strum of Stone or Frogman, do they, is there a song that you just can't wait to get to because you know that audience is going to lose their freaking shit and go nuts and you're going to be at the highest peak of your night right then? Um, not, not really. Um, I like playing the, uh, the more up tempo songs, the funner songs. It kind of picks up your energy more on stage, even though like your ballads and stuff, you know, your slower songs are usually are always your more popular ones. Uh, but for me, I kind of like those songs that are, that are upbeat. We can really rock it because it helps us get, get our uh, blood flowing and stuff like that. But there's not a specific moment I think that I look forward to in the in the set, you know. Nothing. Just it, is this is the set ever ad libbed or spontaneous? Do you ever get a request from the audience and look at the boys in the band and be like, "Let's do it"? Do you do you appreciate cover? Uh, do you do any? Co- are are you a cover band ever? Any- Man, we'll do like one or two a night. It'll just change. Um, we don't do a lot of spontaneous stuff. I do like acoustic or like two piece when me and Tony play, we, we do spontaneous stuff. But when you get a lot of people up there going in, then in our songs live, we'll build little parts in it that aren't like the record and stuff. We play a lot of those that aren't the same. So it, it's hard to kind of ad lib something that you haven't played in years. And it's completely different than the album version and something like that at the last minute. Then you got to get everybody, you know, cause this guy might not remember it, but you might remember it, but he might not. And, uh, so it's kind of hard to do that unless everybody's on the same page, especially when you're doing a lot of changes and stuff like that in the show. Because we'll, we'll, we'll take songs and really stretch them out and do a lot of intricate things. I know that you don't seek out notoriety, Cody. You can tell by all of my, my texting conversations or phone conversations, our podcasts together. I know through your interviews that you're not a glory hound. Has there ever been an oh shit moment, though, in your career to where you had that validation? Like I was like... When I saw Robert Earl Keane's Christmas tour with Brent Cobb on it, I'm like, that's badass. Like, that is freaking awesome that Robert, I mean, because I picture it like maybe Robert Earl Keane, because I know that he was watching Hood and uh, Brent did a show this this last tour. Um, maybe he saw something that he was like, man, this kid's got it. Or this, I really like the way this guy performs, the way he connects with his audience. He's like, I'm going to ask this guy to be partnered with me on this Christmas tour. To me, that's an oh shit moment because I'm a huge Robert Earl Keane fan and I love his songwriting. If I was an artist, it would be. I'm talking about for Brent Cobb. Maybe Brent's just like, eh, it's just another day in the office. But has there ever been something like that to where, like, this is a lame example, but Bo Cephas goes, hey, Cody, Bo Cephas here, need you to be on a run with me, love your music. Or is there anything like that that's happened that's blown your mind? Yeah, the Rolling Stones. I remember those they don't pictures. Get no big- how did it yeah, happen? How did it happen? Um, we were just told about it. I guess Mick, you know, Mick kind of picks all the bands and stuff, and they pitch certain bands to open for certain dates, and then he dug it, you know. So that's some pretty amazing right there, you know, that, wow. that we would even get a print or something like that. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. They're top one or two. Uh, so I think Stones um, – uh, Jamie, our bass p- player, put it into perspective about opening for the Stones. He was like, we were at Soldier Field. He was like, we could come back and headline Soldier Field and sell it out, and it still wouldn't be as cool as opening for the Rolling Stones at Soldier Field. 
So I, would, I think it'd be hard to ever top, you know, playing with the, the Rolling Stones. What if Axl Rose said, I've been listening to this Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers band. That's, that's the wrong thing to say. I've been listening to Whiskey Myers because I know that you don't ever like to separate yourself from the band, but I'm just talking to you personally because Axl's a rock god. Like he is one of the best vocalists of all time, frontman of all time, in my opinion. Would you be on cloud nine if you got to hang with maybe let's say Guns N' Roses of the early 90s, but maybe not so much now. But I mean, they're rock legends, Slash and Duff and Axel. What, what would that do to Cody Cannon? We got to play with them in France, I think, at a festival uh, a couple of years ago, actually. So we've, we've actually done that. We didn't get to meet them or anything, of course, but we were on that that show with them. It was a big rock and roll festival and maybe Paris. I could be wrong, but I think it was in Paris. So, I mean, it was cool. They played for like three hours. They played a really long time. They might have played longer. But, uh, yeah, we'd be down, man. I'm, I'm, we're down. That'd be cool. I think that's the coolest. But the Rolling Stones, man, you talk about like – like, I don't even know how Keith Richards is still alive. I don't think anybody in the world knows how Keith Richards is still alive, but I think they're like close to 80, aren't they? Yeah, real close, man. They, uh, <laughs> they're still rocking though. We got to meet them and I don't get starstruck or anything like that at all. I just don't, it's just not how I roll. And, uh, and we got to shake all their hands and I shook Keith's hands and, you know, kind of looked into his eyes and, and I was like, Oh shit. This is Keith Richards. And that kind of shook me up. That's the only time I think I've ever, ever in my life been like kind of shook up, you know, was was uh, meeting Keith Richards. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, can, you can't top that. The Stones, in my opinion. OK, so what about Willie? Because Willie's kind of got that personality that everybody wants to smoke yeah. weed with Willie. Right. Like, did you get that same feeling of, of, of um, you've probably been around. If I had to assume, have you been around Willie multiple times? Sure. No, we played his picnic, but I've never met Willie. You've never met no. Willie? Mm-mm. We were going to do a, a couple of shows a few years ago, but they kind of wanted us to tame it down a little bit, you know, like quieter because we were, were so loud and, and kind of rocking, like especially our live show. We didn't think that it fit at the moment, you know, to kind of do that for us. But no, that would be, you know, super awesome and an honor. Just respect him totally. So that would be amazing. I never met Bo Seifers either, man. That would be way up there. We got to open for him a couple of times. I was always too chicken to say anything to him. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty standoffish, though. I don't really like, I'm not like, I'm not going to walk up on your bus and say hi and stuff like that. I just kind of, I kind of keep to myself. I don't know. That's just kind of my personality. But anytime you get to meet those people and stuff and, and you know, play shows with them, it's always special. How do you think the other end of that takes it? Let's take Bo Cephas, for example. Are you looked at as, do you think Bo Cephas sits there and goes, hey, what the hell, man? Cody Cannon's supposed to walk up on my bus and say hello. That's what you do when you open for Bo Cephas. What the hell? I wanted to meet the kid. I sure as hell ain't going to go walk up on Whiskey Myers' bus. <laughs> do you think he thinks like that? I absolutely don't think that he gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I heard that I, I saw him in September, same place that I saw Kid Rock, Bo Cephas played it. And I heard that he was literally in a plane, in a in a sprinter van to the stage, off the stage, in the sprinter van, back on a plane and out of there within like eight minutes because the, the airport's like five minutes from where the set was. Yeah. And I heard he was back on the plane and going to Montana or somewhere to Elk Hunt within a matter of seconds. 
Yeah, he rolls in uh, just like that, man. Police escort right before the show, plays his shit. The band's still going. He's already back in, and they're rolling out. <laughs> All right, and the band's still going, you know. He's uh, gone. Yeah, the Stones roll. They uh, they they kind of they they rolled in like the president too. It was pretty rad. But they all came in at separate times. But it was like they all had their little cars. Like I can't remember it, but I think like Keith was either in like a Bentley or like a Rolls Royce, and then somebody's in this and like mixing a Mercedes, and it's like they all had their like special cars that they roll in with with all the the cops and stuff around them and uh. Keith was smoking a cigarette in his with the damn windows up, and it was like a Bentley or a Rolls Royce or something like that. So that was pretty rough. You know, you know, it was like a Bentley or something. You know, it was just for that show. You know, they probably get them everywhere. But yeah, it was like a black Rolls Royce or a Bentley. It was one of those two, and he's back there smoking a cigarette in it. <laughs> wow. You're not even supposed to smoke anymore, let alone in a car with windows rolled up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the way society yeah, views it. Were you nervous? Do you get nervous at Soldier Field? I mean, that's where Walter Payton scored all these touchdowns. I've seen Guns N' Roses there. I've seen big country music shows there. You're opening for arguably the biggest rock and roll band in the history of music, with for sure for record sales. I mean, Michael Jackson and freaking Garth Brooks are probably the only two bigger than the Stones. Uh, Beatles. Beatles. You're right. I'm sorry. But Rolling Stones got to be there. Yeah, they're way, way, way up there. Um, um, nah, man, nah. The only thing that made me, I got nervous because when we went out there, none of my shit worked, right? Because when you do those big shows like that, you don't get to sound check, and there's all the channels are taken up by all the stuff that they have. So it's kind of real hard. It's not like you're playing your own show. And then I went out there, and none of my stuff worked, like none of my monitors. So I had to do the whole show deaf, completely deaf, like my ears i went to put them in and it was just like this is high pitch thing so i had to like rip them out real quick and and i just played the show so when those things start happening on a show like that it can mess with you pretty bad so that that happened you know so the whole wait a minute though wait a minute though you that's that's unfair though in my opinion in the world of music you can't play in front of a big audience with that that big of a stage with no monitors and like that's you can't do that that that's how it happens sometimes man (laughs) <laughs> you could hear your band. You could. You, could. Uh, you can't really on um, big shit like that. You can't really hear shit. You can hear the drums a little bit, and somebody's maybe John's guitar amp. But as far as vocals and stuff, you have nothing. And then you know you can hear your guitar. No, it sucked. Oh, that that aspect of it, it was pretty like a completely equipment monitor failure happened during that show, and it was the whole time. So that that'll shake you up. You kind of gotta get over that and still do your job. But as far as being nervous, I don't really get nervous um, anymore. Just done it so many times, you know, like so many nights a week for really our whole adult lives. This is all we've done. For the most part, we were fortunate that we got a little bit of a following and we're able to do it all the time, uh, even when we first started. And uh, so, I mean, shit, you've done it so many times. It's just like like putting on socks in the morning. A lot of times at a big show like that, the opening band is playing to a minor, minor, minor audience. A lot of people are still tailgating. They're in the beer lines. They're in the merch lines. Was there a bunch of Whiskey Meyer fans in Soldier Field, Chicago this night opening for the Stones? Did you earn fans, in your opinion? Did you make new fans because you guys are so badass? Did they come in there being like, well, who's Miss Whiskey Myers?" and then left there being like, holy shit, that's the next Rolling Stones? 
Uh, yeah, there was a lot of our fans there, and that I, I think we made some fans for sure. But their their fan base is notoriously brutal. Like it's just a known thing. Like they don't give a shit who you are. You, they're here. They're seeing They do not care at all. And then it's kind of like a thing that they're supposed to not. You know what I mean? And they're supposed to just be kind of yeah. But but we did a good job, and I and I think they liked it, considering how brutal that it's just it's just a known thing. You know. When you when you're open for the stones, they they want to see the stones. Wonder why the stones are like Mick Jagger would put Whiskey Myers through such a freaking ordeal. Then if he knows his fans don't give no, a it shit, it was great. It was it was great. We loved it, man. We had a good time. I was just saying in general that just it's funny that their their fans are notoriously known for that. I think Metallica's fans are known for that too. Like it's like a thing that they do. Uh, there's some bands that the fans kind of are just known to not really give a shit until they get on. Uh, but I think, I think we did, we, we definitely made fans that night and a lot of people dug at them. Yeah, it was rad. But when, when you get in those situations and there's, you know, maybe 60,000 people there, or 80, I don't really know how many are there, whatever the capacity is. It's kind of just a sea of people. You don't even really see it's, it's almost more, it's more nerve wracking for me to like play to like two people than a hundred thousand or sixty thousand because it's like I don't know it's just weird it's when it gets to that many people there's really like nobody it's just the sea of thing <laughs> it's just a sea of noise you can't really see anybody because there's so many people so you kind of aren't nervous anymore because it's not personal at all were you were there any critics or reviews of the local Chicago Tribune or anything after that you got to read? Do you ever read critics or like in a show like that, sometimes a local writer would be like, Hey man, this opening band, Whiskey Myers was freaking incredible. Yeah. Have, did anything like that happen or is, have you read some shit like that before? Yeah. Yeah. yeah everything was cool. Everybody dug it. Everything that I see. And I, I don't read shit like that. So somebody has got to show it to me. Um, you know, I don't have social media. I don't get on the internet really too much. I just kind of disconnect from all that stuff. Uh, Especially like when it comes to critics and shit like that, I don't give a fuck what they think at all. Like reporters or whatever, journalists, music, I don't give a damn what you write about me because I'm going to do my thing regardless. Well, if you like it or not, I don't give a shit. Ooh, I like I that. Know. I like that idea of a song, regardless. Uh, so, I, so I don't. Uh, I don't read any of that stuff. Nothing. But and you know, unless they, you know, they'll show you stuff like, uh, oh man, so and so really dug it, and things like that, and you, and you and you see it, you know, just from your management and stuff like that. And so everything's great. It was, a, you know, great reception, and there was like a lot of big of the like the rock radio stations and stuff that really dug it uh, that were there. But as far as just in general, like reading articles and things like that or, or reviews, I don't, uh, I don't read it because I really don't give a shit. Are you side stage for the Stones after your set? No, we watched um, front of house. I think from a box. Oh, you we had a box. That's a the Miller Lite box. We're sponsored by Miller Lite. Miller Lite had, I believe, they had a box there, which was uh, up kind of top. It was cool. So we went to the Miller Lite box. Do you think there's anybody out there that you would ever? Do, are you a collector of? nostalgia at all like i love nostalgia like i if I, when i'm in hunting camp with you i'm gonna get a picture with you for sure because i know that that's going to tell my story someday for me to look back on and my daughter to look back on like look i'm shooting mallards with cody cannon 
do you do that? Is there anybody that you would ever walk up to and be like, yo, Mick, can you, can you sign a, sign a set list for me or something? Do you collect anything like that when you're uh, around a Willie or a, or a, any Jamie Johnson or anybody? I know you're buddies with these yeah, guys. So my, uh, a little, I, I'm, I was real bad about it the first probably 10 years and stuff, just being, you know, young and stuff. And, but now when you get older, you're like, damn, I don't really have any kind of memorabilia and stuff like that. So I try to do a better job now. You know, so my son will have stuff like that, pictures of his dad. Uh, so I, I try to, I'm, I'm better now. My wife kind of makes me do that, those things. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. I got a picture. So, uh, we played with Jamie on Father's Day. It was my first Father's Day. So me and Jamie and my boy took a picture together. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. So I, I got things like that. I got pictures with the Stones and Ann Skinner and, and different things like that. So I try, but I don't have uh, – some people in the band and the crew are really good at uh, collecting a lot of that stuff. Where, what is on – I know we're coming to an end of our talk. I know that – I really appreciate you coming on, but what's, what's in store right now? What do we, what do we look forward to as whiskey Myers fans? Are, we're going to have a little, a couple shows in the fall. Is there going to be a big spring tour? You're talking about some dates yeah. with jinx um, and new music. Is there a new record on the horizon? Yeah. Yeah. We got a new record coming out next year. Uh, as soon as possible. I don't know. We're still waiting on like the artwork and stuff to be finished. Um, hopefully first quarter of next year. So sometime in the spring, maybe a little bit later, but yeah, we'll have, we'll have a brand new record. It's done. We're just waiting to put it out. So that'll be happening. And, and then uh, a big tour, uh, you know, to follow that. When you say a big tour, is this going to be a major, like international tour? Are you going back to Europe again or where, what, what is nothing like that yet? I don't know, but we'll, we'll go over there again, but I ain't ready yet. Um, <laughs> now, it'll be an American tour. Uh, I mean, we'll be going all over America, and I don't know about any European dates. If so, that would be not in the summer. I would think that would be in the winter. So but I'm talking about, like, the, the late spring and the, and the summer. Uh, we'll be all over America kind of doing doing our thing. <laughs> If you were a solo artist, you could call your own shots a lot, and I'm sure that you can in certain instances, but you're an outdoorsman. This is the best time of the year right now. The rut's happening. Ducks are starting to migrate. Yeah, so you have the other band. You have a livelihood of the band to think about. Like, what if there's a promoter? Is it easy to get Cody Cannon out of the deer stand in the duck marsh right now, the duck blind right now? Or do you have to check in with the band and make sure they know that, that the band is first and foremost? Because a lot of singers that are solo acts, they're like, hey, I don't even want to book a show this time of year. Yeah, I would love to do that. But, you know, we all got to keep, you know, stay happy and you got to kind of compromise. Uh and things like that. So we try to, uh, in the fall now, uh, take off a little more. Um, that's also surrounding like the holidays, you know, cause we have families and stuff now. So it's just kind of a, you know, I mean, if it was up to me, nah, I wouldn't be touring right now at all, but sometimes you got to do that. So it's cool. You know, it's my job. You know, you got to go to work. You can't just stay at home all the time. So it is what it is. Brent Cobb says his favorite part about touring Cody Cannon is coming home. 
Do you even like leaving anymore when you see all these tour dates y'all have booked? Do you, when you see Bozeman, Montana, that's beautiful. I'm going to go fly fishing. I'm going to see some elk. But do you even want to leave home anymore? Yeah, it just kind of depends. But uh, I, I'm sure he did say that. You know, it's funny. It's like uh, I was talking to him and, and, and Wes Bayless about that stuff. It's funny. It's kind of like that real, if you're like really from the country and like you, you think it would be the opposite, but like, like really from, you know, out in it, then you have a harder time leaving. Then it just, I don't know what it is. It's like, we all have that in common. You know, it's like, shit, I'm going to be home right now. I don't know. You know, daddy was the same way. Grandpa was the same way, stuff like that. They would go on vacation and it's like, man, I'm ready to go home. Uh, I think it's just kind of that redneck thing, but I, I enjoy, you know, I got to, got to kind of live in the moment and appreciate what you have and worry about all the rest, you know, cause it can't, it ain't going to last forever, you know? No, you got to make hay. You got to make hay. Well, I think you guys are talented enough. You're going to have a long, you're going to have a long career. We both know this. Um, Let's not get off of that man yet before I let you go. Is he still one of the finest songwriters in the country, in your opinion, Brent Cobb? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's amazing. Uh, He's an amazing human being. Uh, We've always gotten along. We've always been friends. And uh, we just, I enjoy being around him. And he's a brilliant songwriter. Just brilliant. Do you have any dates on the books right now to write with him? No, not right now. I don't, I don't co-write too much anymore. I think it's a time thing, right? So when you were younger and, and stuff, maybe you'd be like, oh, I'm going to fly to Nashville and, and, and ride with Brent or, or Aaron or these people. And then when you have a, you know, a kid and stuff and married you're like shit i'm gonna stay at home and just and just write it so uh i'm sure we'll probably get together before the next record and 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 probably write a song or two uh but mainly i just i don't do a lot of co-writes anymore i just kind of i just kind of dig doing it myself and kind of put my own and, and if i do do any co-writes it's, it's with people that i'm friends with like Brian or adam or aaron adam hood's so freaking talented yeah God, he's talented yeah <laughs> We have a uh, festival that we were doing in Kansas. It was the first year, and uh, we had Brent, and he brought uh, Adam with him, so they, they played the festival with us, and uh, it was good to see all our friends. It yeah, was a fi- cool lineup. Firewater. Yeah, yeah. They were advertising today that their tickets went on sale today, maybe, or they're coming up, going on sale for 2022. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. They didn't announce any. The they didn't lineup. announce any artists, though. Do you have anybody on the lineup yet that you can let out of the box? No. Mm-mm. I mean, we have some people that uh, you know we're working with, but nothing's finalized on that. But it'll be. I mean, I thought we just like the, especially the first year. We're like, well, who do we put on it? And we were like, man, we should just put all our friends on it. And it was amazing. Like the lineup. If you go look at the lineup we had, we. I think it's amazing. Uh, so we'll probably do something similar like that this year, but it'll be some amazing people. Uh, but it's going to be cool. We're working. It'll be cool. We're, okay. we're in the we're I'm coming the next year. Yeah. Hey, okay. I got my homework. I'm listening to this Gaddish record. I just texted you a link and a password of an episode that's getting ready to air the foul life. And it's, it's called Brent Cobb and them. And he went to Northern California on a duck hunt with me last year. If you have 22 minutes, because I don't put commercials in this one. Are you playing tonight? Y'all got a set tonight? Yeah, yeah. We're in Boise right now. We've been here for two days. Man, you're not too far from me. I need to start paying attention more. I'd have been up there. 
Um, check that out. Take 20 minutes and then text me and let me know what you think of it. If you got time before you're set or it? after. It's a, it's, no, it's a TV show. Uh, our TV show, The Foul Life. Oh, okay. So it's video of Brent Cobb duck hunting. You're going to appreciate it. <laughs> How was that, man? Did y'all have a good time? Oh, man. I love being around that dude, man. He educates me. He's down to earth. He's funny. Um, he's just he's just one of those guys that you gravitate towards and you miss him when he's gone. And then he's so hard to communicate with. You want to shake him up a little bit because, like, like, like I sent him a text. I go, is this thing on? Because I've been waiting about three, four weeks for a text back on this certain subject. And he starts off his reply. He says, well, I ain't going to apologize because I already warned you, buddy. Something like that. You know, like I don't, he doesn't communicate. He don't return. To, he's just like, he's just one of them guys. And I love it about him, but he's one of my favorites, man. And I just love his songwriting. He's just as killer as they come. Yeah. Yeah. He people. Buddy, I appreciate it. I'm going to be with you in a couple, uh, about a little over a month from right now. Be ready to shoot straight. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. We'll at least scare them. No, we're going to scare them. I promise you. I've been checking in with my guys. It's going to be a good season there. We're going to do a lot of cool stuff there. So, uh, yeah, I text you today. Let me know the dates that you're rolling in on because um, whatever you're more than welcome to be there, all of them or whatever. But Rob wants to come over for a day or two with us too and bring some guns and ch- okay. check out some of his new stuff. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. All Time right. to bring some shells. I'll bring you some shells. <laughs> I got a little slew of them. Those things are hard to find right there. It's impossible right now. Well, have a good set tonight, dude. I, I wish I was there. Where are y'all playing? Knitting Factory? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did two nights uh, at the Knitting Factory, and then we go to uh, California tomorrow. Was last night crazy? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was wild. It was a good crowd, though. They were cool. They didn't. I think there was only one fight, so that's always good when you don't get too many fights. It makes you feel better. Knitting factories double decker, yeah. Like they got a top yeah. four that looks down. All yeah. right, we'll kill it tonight. I'll be in touch with you. I appreciate. It. Let me know what you think of that episode. I text you if you got twenty minutes to watch it. Yeah, I watch it. I ain't doing nothing. Sitting in my my room until showtime. So, all right, text me. And let me know. That's Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers, the baddest ass band going right now. I freaking love their music. This life ain't for everybody. Podcast. Thank you all for listening. I'm Chad Belding. Cody, thank you. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Appreciate y'all listening. Thank you for supporting our brands. We'll be back at you with more new episodes. We're going to leave this episode. We always go out of this episode with with uh, Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? What song can I go out with, Cody? I got to go out with something. Uh, upbeat, Whiskey Meyer song. Well, I can't do Frogman because that's everybody knows I always listen to Frogman. What, what do I go out with? Gasoline. Huh? Gasoline. The- Gasoline. This is Cody Cannon and Whiskey Myers, the Whiskey Myers Rock and Roll Band. Gasoline, thank you all so much.